0: Hey, writers, join our first draft weekly writers club. We meet every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern time. For more information, go to writingclassradio.com and click on the classes tab.
1: Um, I think voice is the the inner person inside you trying to speak to the world. Um, I think it's everything that you are. It's allowing yourself to be vulnerable enough to open the gates of your heart and let out whatever is in there trying to speak. For me, voices is the most important thing. It, it says what you stand for. It says what you are, what you believe. Um, and it's the story that's inside you that, that, that wants to come out.
0: That was Asia Sampson of The Asia Project, and this is Writing Class Radio, Well, you'll hear true personal stories from the students in our class and a little bit about how to write your own stories. I'm Allison Langer, a student in the class. I'm the teacher of the class, Andrea Askowitz.
2: Together we produce this podcast, which is equal parts heart and art. By heart, we mean the truth in a story. By art, we mean the craft of writing. No matter what's going on in our lives, writing class is where we tell the truth. It's where we work out our shit and figure out who we are. There's no place in the world like writing class, And we want to bring you in. On our last episode, we talked about voice in two ways. Voice as it's written on the page. And voice as in what happens in life if you lose your voice. Today's episode is called Voices Carry, which is a song by Lil Tuesday. Hush, hush, keep it down now. Voices carry. A voice is a musical instrument.
0: Or not. We just had to sit through that song. That is for sure not a musical instrument, your voice.
2: We're talking about how our physical voices can carry a story with inflection, pace, volume, tone, and pitch.
0: Yeah, voice can make us love a story we might otherwise not even like or understand. Sometimes I get totally lost when I read poetry, but when I hear it out loud, I get it. Just by like the intensity of voice, I just feel emotion and I'm drawn in.
2: Today on our show, we have a special guest, Asia Sampson. This guy is turning me straight, I swear. (laughs) Asia is so lovely and talented. He's part of what he calls a poetry band, The Asia Project, which is Asia on the mic and his brother-in-law Jolin on guitar. The Asia Project is spoken word, poetry, and storytelling. They are awesome. Asia is the most booked college touring poet in the country. He does more than 100 shows a year. He's on our show today because we love how he uses his physical voice. First, you'll hear Asia performing one of his poems, and then part of a conversation we had about voice and his creative process. Here's Asia with his poem, Desks Are Not Bulletproof.
1: I start every creative writing workshop by placing a desk in the middle of the room and asking students to write as many uses for it as possible. I get answers like a platform to ride on or a fort to crawl inside of, but not once has anyone ever said a barricade to protect myself from bullets. If they did, I would tell them a single round from an AR-15 has enough inertia to splinter that wooden school desk to shreds. Puncture the piece of gum stuck to the bottom by the star athlete studying for a test to prove his varsity jacket isn't the only mold he's meant to fit into. Shatter the spot on the tabletop where a girl sharpened her first name with the last name of the person she's just hoping will notice her in the halls, not knowing later that day. A gunman will enter those halls. Do you know he went to school here? He sat on that same desk, scribbling inside textbooks we haven't replaced in 10 years, scribbling sketches of himself setting the school on fire that all of us decided to ignore. How did we ignore? The one time he came to us asking for help from the bullies before he started running up a the tally of all the lunch money they've ever stolen, vowing to one day make everyone pay it back with their lives. A news channel will say it's a mental health issue. Another will say it's gun control. But not once have we made ourselves the center of those headlines, replaced the officer's name with our own, knowing we are armed with the tools to protect our children, and none of us chose to go inside. We heard those shots since Columbine. We heard it since Sandy Hook, we still hear it in inner city schools. We've gone so deaf from the ringing, we can't hear our children try to tell us. It's the trigger that causes terrors in their sleep, wakes the ghost they'll see anytime anyone says guns don't kill people. It's the trigger that makes them jump in their seats anytime they hear the click of a person's pen next to them. PTSD is not the acronym of a college aptitude test I expected them to be taking. Sitting in a classroom shouldn't feel like laying in an open casket After you've survived, knowing a bullet doesn't have to be fired in our direction for it to kill us It just has to be fired directly into our lives I check in on my son at night And every time he pretends to be sleeping And as much as I want to call him out for that lie I realize it's a skill that might one day come in handy Just the other day my friend sends me A link to where I can buy an armored backpack. The pockets are lined with Kevlar and metal. How much more weight are we placing on these kids' shoulders? Had you asked me as a child what I knew of active shooter drills, I would have thought it had something to do with basketball. Had you asked me what I thought was locked in my teacher's drawers, I would have said it's the answers to next week's tests. I would have never guessed a pistol. I don't have a cheat sheet for how to solve this. I just know we are arming our teachers with the wrong weapons. How horrible it must be to have to rifle through the bullet points of their job descriptions, seeing it's now full of loopholes the gunmen shot through. How tragic to have to choose between the barrel or the shield as they pressed their entire bodies to barricade the door and protect everyone inside at Stoneman Douglas. They said after the SWAT team secured the area, the students continued to hide. Because when the gunman first came, he was dressed in full police armor yelling, It's safe to come out now, as he fired round after round at those that believed him. Tell me, that's not what we are leaving our children to believe in. Tell me, that the current shape of our gun-loving country hasn't gone sideways, looking like a hand with his fingers curled around a handgun. Tell me, they can run freely through the halls again, without having flashbacks of weaving around the bodies of their fallen, and friends tell me their chance of never again will finally become chance of hasn't been since tell me when I instruct them to write out as many uses for a desk as possible. I won't have to explain desks are not bulletproof. I'm sorry it's something you had to learn in the first place, but I hope one day we'll get it right and you'll believe us again when we say you are safe, you are safe, you are safe, our dear children you can come out now, you are safe.
0: Wow. Okay. Woo. I love it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's intense. Really, really intense. I do think if I had read that on the page, I would kind of get it. But when he goes into it and the pace and um, the tone and when he – it's so intense that I felt it in my gut. I, get, I know. I get
2: chills in these two different parts. Like when he goes into the part about – like he kind of slows down when he's getting into the part where his son – he brings in his son – And then at the very end, he
0: slows down again and I'm just like, oh, it's amazing when he slows down Mm -hmm. because I don't even notice that I'm like all like tense. And then when he slows down, I'm like, oh, it's a huge relief. Yeah. Amazing.
2: Right. Speeds up and you're like, "Ah!" and then he slows down and you're like, oh, so good. He's he's damn good. I see spoken word or out loud storytelling as having two elements, the written words and the performance. So lately, I've been working on performance. Like I have a secret desire, don't tell anybody, to do a one-woman show, and I've been dying to know how Asia is so good at performance. So I asked Asia to talk to us. Up after the break, my
0: conversation with Asia. We're back with Asia Sampson, and we're talking about voice. You just heard Asia perform his new poem, Desks Are Not Bulletproof. I just want to say that this guy is a genius. For anyone who's never tried to do this or remember this, or this guy does it from memory. It's crazy. Yeah, he does. He, He performs
2: all his poems just out of his mind, out of his body.
0: Yeah, well, I'm dying to hear his process Um, because I I almost never understand poetry. (laughs) It moves too fast. It's like sometimes just too vague. I'm only getting little bits and pieces. And for my little brain, the way I process, it doesn't work. But this guy tells a story so well and he uses his voice and his tone expertly. And I am able to follow along with zero issues. I love him. I love him, too. When I talked to him for this episode, it
2: was so much fun and I learned all his secrets. We talked for like an hour. It was so generous and awesome.
0: That's cool. I
2: asked him how he starts writing the poems. I wanted to know, okay, do you start with the written word or the performance? And here's what he said.
1: All my poems always start with sound and tone for me, like, Okay, I'm gonna write about my sister's death. How did I want that to sound, right? Or I'm gonna write about my love, my love for Jess, and the angle that I'm gonna come at it with. How do I want that to sound first? So a lot of times in my head, I already know how it's going to sound. I may not have the words, but I know how it's gonna sound, right? Um, part two is what's the takeaway for me? Like, what am I? What's the message I'm giving out here? You can look at it in the way of songs. Some songs have just put you in a mood, right? So I always know the sound of it, the tone of it, right? I don't know the exact sound. I don't know the, you know, the chords or the melody. I don't know the, I don't even know the words. I just know I want it to sound reflective or I want it to sound mundane or I want it to sound, you know, intimate and uh, vulnerable or I want it to sound hilarious and upbeat that's how i i already know where the the tone of this where it's gonna be
2: right so you go for a mood in a way you go for a sound a mood and a sound
1: mood and sound yeah yeah
2: um i like to call it tone more so than anything because
1: there's a tone to it like there's a um you know there's 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 a feeling behind it um and then I and then from there I I know then I have to figure out okay but what's the message what's the takeaway what am I what do I want to say in this poem and sometimes I may not even know that sometimes the poem will reveal that right I've had situations where I've written poems and I have no idea what what I'm saying here and then all of a sudden it just reveals itself to me as I'm writing it well I'm a writer first first and foremost I will always be a writer a storyteller so the things that you do pretty much is what. I do. The writing and the words and everything and, and the, the imagery all has to be, you know, sharp. When we did the last poem, um, the Desks Are Not Bulletproof poem, the line about my son was the first thing that popped up to me, right? That was the first thing that inspired that poem. The poem started when I, my, I was putting my son to the bed and... Um, he was he was in the room and I could still hear him playing. I could still I'm like okay I need to go in there and tell him he needs to go to sleep. So Wait, I walk let's back in there up for a
2: second. So you have a son. His name is Eris. He's three.
1: Yeah, four. he's four. So I go in there, and now he's laying down and he's like I look and I could like his eyes were closed, but his high, his eyes were closed in a way where you can touch. He's forcing them closed. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. he not he's not a good enough liar to try to you know. And I'm like, you know, and, and I was what about, about to call him out on it. And I'm like, man. And I started thinking, like, what if, you know, for some reason that just connected me to these school shootings. It, it just connected me to all the stuff. Like, I wonder if kids are pretending to do the same thing when there's a gunman coming into the room. Right. And I'm like, God, that was so heartbreaking. And so that moment right there with him, the, that intimate moment with him sparked the poem. So
2: that one didn't start with a tone, actually, that poem. It it, exactly. did. Be- oh, it, it did. it did?
1: Because the tone was that certain, that silent, quiet feeling of my son sleeping in bed. Because if you think about it, that's probably how it felt in classrooms when you know there's a gunman in the hallway shooting people up. Like outside of the classroom, people are running for their lives and screaming and guns are being flared off. But then inside the classroom, it was probably... People were being as quiet as they could because they're trying to pretend that they're dead or pretend that they're not in there. I didn't want to capture the screaming. I didn't want to capture. I could have made this poem go the other way with, you know, guns being shot off and people are running and screaming for their lives. That could have been the tone for that. But instead, I wanted to focus on the tone of the people that were in the classroom who are trying to hide from the gunmen or trying to pretend that they're dead. That was the tone for this poem.
2: So, talk to me now about how you then work out the delivery are you do you do you um consciously pace yourself in a certain way speed up slow down get louder
1: funny story but um when i was in junior high um, I try to be a break dancer. i <laughs> pop-locking. Um, there was a guy who would teach, uh, who, who was teaching me how to, you know, how to dance that way. And he goes, you know, think of yourself as a VCR where you can speed up, slow down, rewind, fast forward, go regular pace, like, because it makes it, it makes the dance look interesting. For some reason or the other, I took that with me when I started performing spoken word poetry, right? So I always thought of myself as a VCR. Now, the process is I have the poem. I go to an open mic or I go somewhere for a show and I test out the poem by reading it, right? Just so I can get a feel of it on stage and see if people vibe to specific lines that I that I liked. And But it will be very choppy. And then when I decide, okay, I wanna put this in my arsenal, then I learn it, I put the paper away and then I perform it for the first time, like without paper. Every time I perform it for the first time without paper, I can guarantee you I will mess it up. I I, I always mess it up. I have never <laughs> had a time when it didn't get messed up. Um, because it, you can practice it all day, but as t- soon as people are staring at you, it becomes a whole different environment, right? And then I perform it again and again. Here's the magical thing. After you perform something a couple of times, I wanted to get to the place where my mouth can literally spit the poem without me even thinking of it anymore and now my mind instead is thinking of this part's coming up bring this word up this part's coming up drop a pause here this part's coming up extend this word my mind starts messing with the poem now like freestyling it in my head basically on Drop a word here, add a you know, add inflection there. My mind is thinking that now because the words are just coming out automatically out of my mouth because I'm not consciously thinking about the words anymore. It becomes a magical place where the poem becomes such a part of you that because you've performed it so many times you can literally lose yourself in the performance because you're not even thinking about the words anymore you're not conscious of what's coming up next your mind is just is playing it like a symphony and i always that's the part that i teach that's the part that i teach is that get to the point where the poem becomes so automatic that you can play it like a symphony without you even thinking about the words anymore people don't get to that point because they're too worried about i need to perform a new poem next week i'm going on open mic i've performed this poem too many times and i can't do that same poem i'm going to write a new poem you never let the poem get to that place where you it becomes such a part of you that it just comes out automatically that's the magic moment
2: that's when you're feeling the audience Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that's right What's fun is sometimes I'll stop and, I'll be, and then people will be laughing and I'll be like, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Like, you know, and I'll, I'll call out the audience or whatever and then go right back into the poem and, and continue on. That's if I know the poem very well. It almost becomes like a stand-up comedy-ish.
2: Beautiful. Ah, and I've seen you do it. And I'm like, dang, you are so yeah. in the moment.
1: Ah. Yeah, that's it. That's the word, in the, being in the moment.
2: So how long does it take, like on average, from start to finish? What's the whole process until it's in you? How long does it take?
1: When I was living in South Florida, there was an open mic every night of the week. I would perform at all these open mics for two weeks straight. In about two weeks, I already got it.
2: So is it really like 14 nights in a row?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I guess it all depends on the poem too, or how excited I am about wanting to really learn the poem.
2: When you're teaching your class, do you say like, listen, we're going to talk about story and we're going to talk about tone? And they're equally important.
1: Now you know what I, I make somebody get up into the class um, and perform a poem that they already know by heart, that they don't have to think about. They start performing it, and I, I conduct them like a <laughs> like a conductor. I'm like, all right, go. I, I'll lift my hand up to make them raise their voice, and then I'll put my hand out to make them stop right there. Then I'll make and I'll bring my hand down to make them bring it down, and they'll play with it with me. And at the end, they're like, oh wow, that does sound better. The writing stuff that I teach, and when we when I'm talking about writing and talking about storytelling and writing writing words, I do you know the basic formulas and and things like that. But the performance stuff, there is no lecture, there is no um, all right, this is just do this. No, I we it's hands on. Like you just come on, and, and through that practice, they can see what it is that I'm doing and why I'm moving them through it a certain way.
2: I just got sweaty hearing him say that bit about um, how he teaches. Oh, God. And also
0: 14 times. That's my problem. Holy shit. That's totally your problem. <laughs> yes, because you're, I mean, I hate to say this, no but you are slightly awkward on stage when you don't know it and have it in you. But we did that live performance. If you guys have not heard it, check out our episode with Ann Randolph. I don't even remember which number it is now. Episode 21, Writing Class Radio Live. Okay. Check it out because Andrea and I did a little stand up bit and I practiced my ass off. And she... I practiced my ass off 14 times I told that story before I got up there. Well, it was yep. awesome. You did a great job. And then with the music behind you and like the whole thing, it was just so perfect. So that's what it is. It just takes way more practice and performances than you would ever imagine. Well, now I get it. Yeah. And now I have this like,
2: yeah, like I'm kind of like fired up. I'm, gonna, I'm going to an open mic night every night from now
0: on. That's How, where I'm going to be. Is your wife okay
2: with that? I don't know.
0: <laughs> Hi. So Asia's coming to teach a class for Writing Class Radio and anyone else who would like to sign up. It is June 23rd, 2018, from 10 to 4 at the Low Art Museum in Coral Gables. And it's only 100 bucks. And it is 10 to 4. That's a long-ass time. You can get really good in that, in that time. And there's only 18 spots available. So... To sign up, go to our website, writingclassradio.com, and Andrea and I will be there. Oh my
2: God, I'm like going to sit in the front. I'm all about it. I cannot wait for June 23rd. Yeah, Asia Sampson is going to teach us how to perform. If you have any interest in performing, you got to be there.
0: Okay, so if you want to prepare for Asia and you live in South Florida, come take our two-part writing workshop at the Low Art Museum, May 19th and 26th. You'll learn how to start your story, end your story, and everything in between. The class is also small, so just 12 people, so sign up. If you don't live in Miami and you cannot make it to the Asia class, you can still participate and learn. Writing Class Radio has a three-part writing workshop on sale for 50 bucks. Check out our website because we have tons of other resources and tips and craft talks and where to publish your essays. Lots of really cool things, so use us. We're, we're a great resource. Okay. So thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you did, we'd love to know. I guess if you didn't, we'd love to know that too, but (laughs) rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast before you go. If you have a business or startup, Andrea can help you tell that story. She'll come to your office and teach all your employees how to better articulate why they do what they do because stories sell. And I'm for hire too. Let me help your rising seniors refine their college essays. Email info at writingclassradio for a quote. Writing Class Radio is produced by Virginia Laura, Andrea Askwitz, and me, Allison Langer. Theme music by Ari Herstand. Additional music by Jolin from The Asia Project. Writing Class Radio is sponsored by and recorded at the University of Miami School of Communication. If you want more Writing Class Radio, follow us on Twitter and Facebook and check out our website. Our new episode will drop the first Wednesday of every month. See you then. Until then, there's no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our stories. Everyone has a story. What's yours?
1: You know, there's, um, there's a thing that someone was telling me that poems are never finished, they're just abandoned. I learn at that point after the editing and reading it to people, okay, I can leave this. This is where I'm going to leave it now. This is where it's going to stay.